All right. Sorry, everybody close your eyes and get ready to pray so I can fix myself here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you done praying now? Okay. All right, today I want to begin a two-part message titled, Wanted, Dead, and Alive. Now, I know you all have message note cards already and pens and ready to take notes during the message, but if you need one, didn't get it, all you have to do is wave at that handsome usher back there counting people already, and he'll grab you a message note card so you can start writing down some notes. Um, the whole message is designed, this two-part message is designed to help us prepare for the water baptism service, which will be next Sunday night at 6 p.m. at Sun Life Church. You see, most Christians who have been saved a while understand the importance of water baptism, but nowadays water baptism is being preached as a subpar Christian tradition that doesn't really do anything, and it certainly isn't a necessity. We at Cornerstone Assembly of God believe that water baptism is an essential ordinance of the church as well as a command of our Savior. As a matter of fact, one of our 16 fundamental truths as the Assemblies of God states, the ordinance of water baptism by immersion is commanded by the scriptures. All who repent and believe on Christ as Savior and Lord are to be baptized. Thus they declare to the world that they have died with Christ and that they also have been raised with him to walk in newness of life. And the scriptures with that are Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 16, Acts 10, 47 through 48, and then over in Romans chapter 6, 4. And so would you turn with me over to Romans chapter 6? That's going to be our text for this morning. But before we start reading chapter 6, let me just give you a couple frequently asked questions about water baptism. One, who needs to be water baptized? Everyone. Every new believer needs to be water baptized. And I really stress that it has, if it's children, they have to be older children that are able to communicate the important decision that they're making. I know some of us as parents, even myself, get overzealous for our children and they're five years old and we're leading them in the sinner's prayer and we're like getting them water baptized and that's all good, that's wonderful if they can communicate their decision and everything and understand their decision. Another question is when does someone get water baptized? As soon as possible. As soon as possible. I know right here in our location we don't have a baptismal tank, that's why we've we partnered with Sun Life, and that's why we're going there next Sunday night. Um, we're doing a combined water baptism service with them. But as soon as possible, once you've committed your life to follow Christ. And another frequently asked question is, what if I was water baptized before? Can I get water baptized again? The answer is yes. 
If you feel like you need to make a new public declaration that the old man is now dead, then yes. And let me just say, many of us rededicated Christians need to be rewater baptized. Um, if it is, which it is, a public declaration that the old man is dead, then if people have seen you living a life uh, not following Christ, I'll put it that way, nice and tenderly, not fully following Christ, then shouldn't that be a public, shouldn't you also have a public declaration that that old man is dead? Yeah, my boys um, last week, they gave testimony of their recommitment that they made at um, junior, senior high camp uh, to follow Christ and were um, refilled with the Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking this last week and they both agree that they, yes, they were water baptized when they were little. Again, you know, mama's doing the right thing. But they also realized over these years that making growing up and making their own decisions that they've lived um, kind of selfishly. And, and yes, they've been following Christ, but um, they really believe that over this last week that they've put down that old man. Let's say it that way. They laid down that old man and they want to make a new public declaration through water baptism that that old man's dead and all things are new. So they're going to be water baptized. I, uh, I had people come in every time we had water baptism that wanted to get rewater baptized. I'm like, you know, one of these days you got to get things right here, buddy, you know, but <laughs> I'm like, whatever. I mean, how many times have you, um, recommitted your life to Christ? You had more than once, anybody more than once. Okay, yeah, every Sunday. I know, that's how I was. Every Sunday, I had a pastor tell me, you know, what are you doing over the week? <laughs> Maybe you need to look at that again, but I'm like, I don't care. Every opportunity, I, I'm, you know, getting my life right with Jesus again. Every water baptism, put me under the water, hold me down if you need to. Whatever it takes. So, yeah, as much as needs, whatever, we're, we're okay with that. Um, and... Pastor Neil or Pastor Denny or even myself, we'll hold you down longer if you want us to. That's okay. Um, all right, so Romans chapter 6. Again, I want to speak to you on uh, the, that through this two-part message that we're going to show as disciples of Christ that we are wanted both dead and alive, which is not only symbolic but it, to the world of of what you're you're doing but it's also prophesying to your future that from this day forward this old man is dead and all things have become new so it's a public declaration to the world and also a prophetic declaration to your future um, that you are to be dead I'm going to talk about to your old identity to sin and to worldly thinking. So let's read Romans chapter 6. I'm going to try not to stop. I'm going to try to read just as fast as I can. So <sighs> keep up with me. What shall we say then? Let's just stop right here for a second. <laughs> hey, I've been teaching you how to do this. You, When you read the Bible, you can't just pick up at these chapters because um, let's just say, no, I won't say that. You, if it starts with a therefore, you know, uh, 
what shall we say then? You really need to go back. And what were they saying before to know what shall we say then? All right. But I, I'm out of time. I can't go back and read these chapters before. They're really good. But basically what he was saying, verse 21, um, verse 20, 21 of chapter 5, the law was added so that trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through, re through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Boy, haven't heard that one today. By no means, he says. By no means. No way. What? Shut up. Brenda translation. He's serious? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5, if, remember, ifs are conditions on your part. Ifs are conditions on your part. So don't gloss over them. They always come before a promise too. So you need to back up and find out what your part is to the promise that you all, we always want to declare, right? And we don't want to look at what we have to do. Okay, anyway, keep going. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we no longer should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Shut up. What are you thinking? No way. Haven't you heard people say that? I hear that from Christians all the time. We're not under the law anymore, so I can do whatever I want to do because grace is there to what? What do you think grace is doing if you're sinning and can sin all you want? What? Grace is the empowerment to fulfill the law, to fulfill the righteous requirements. Grace gives you the strength, the power to be holy as I am holy. It didn't eradicate the law. It doesn't erase the law. Anyway, I'm not stopping. I'm still reading. 
Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you, I could, no, I won't. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. And what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord again three things as disciples of Christ we are wanted wanted dead to our old identity to sin and to worldly thinking to our old identity. Listen, through water baptism, it's talking about, the whole chapter was talking about baptized with him, uh, buried with him. Through water baptism, when you go under the water, it is a public declaration to the world and a prophetic declaration to your future. This old man is dead. I say it all the time that it's like, you know, I have a big whiteboard up here. It's, it's, um, you were born, you, you live your life, live your life, live your life, and then you surrender your life. So like a great big cross, and then you go on with your life. Anything from that side of the cross back is no longer you. Have you ever went to a funeral? And you're sitting in a funeral and your little kid looks at you and says, oh, look at Grandpa laying in the casket. And you're like, no, honey, that's not Grandpa. Grandpa's gone, right? Haven't you said that? Yep. What do you mean? I see him laying right there. Ah, see, you know enough to understand that when Grandpa's dead, why do I keep saying Grandpa? Uh, when your neighbor's dead, that's not him. This shell is not him. Well, how come you can understand it after? Why can't you understand it now? When he's talking about dead, buried, crucified, died to self, he's talking about the shell. The shell is not you. So when you come to that cross, when you surrender, lay it all down, lay it all down, Offer everything. Remember, if you come to Christ, you got to what? It says you must deny yourself. That means like Pastor Neil did last week. Sign over the title deed. Everything I am, Lord, is now yours. You own this now. Well, he really owned it to begin with, right? He created it. We're just giving it back to him. And from this point on is a new man. This point back is a dead man. 
past, right? 1 Corinthians, I think it's in chapter 3, he gives a list of things when we do this, when we surrender, when we die to self, have a funeral for this shell, have a funeral. He says, this is your inheritance, and he lists it. He lists uh, the earth, life, death, the present, the future, all your inheritance. What did he leave out? The past. He left out the past. Why? Because it's not yours. He purchased it. When you surrendered it, when you died to self, when you laid it all down, signed over the title deed, had a funeral for it, put up the tombstone there, marked the date, and you go on now as a new man, you no longer have rights to that dead man. But how many times have you seen people go from their new life, new creature, go back and start digging up their old dead man? And then over here, they're a new man, new creature. They blow up and then they, you know, they get fits of rage or whatever. And what do they do? They blame it on that old man. Well, that's just how I am. You mean that's how your old man was? Well, it's just my family. We're all like... Is that that dead man too? Well, I don't... Well, I... Again, measure it with the word. If that's the dead man, that means there was a bloodline. That means unless you go back, like Hebrews says, and you trample over the blood of Christ... And get into his. And remember, this is not yours anymore. You have no legal right to it. It's as if I bought a house from Tom. Give him the check. He gives me the keys. It could be his house where he grew up. Right? I have the keys now. He has the check. I have the deed. I go into my house. And next thing I know, Tom's walking around. I'm like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah. I'm calling the police. He's like, well, I grew up here. This has always been my house. I bought it from you. It's not yours anymore. What are you doing in here? Same thing. Same thing. When we lay it down, when we give it to God, when we die to self, that shell buried so our new man can live. When we keep going back and picking from things, you don't own it. You have no right to it. And as a matter of fact, Hebrews says you keep trampling over the blood of Christ like that by going back and forth. What more of a sacrifice do you need? Because he already gave it all. And obviously it wasn't good enough for you. If anyone is in Christ, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He is a new creation. The old is gone. You don't have any right to it. And the newest come. You need to have an identity shift. Nothing from that past should be part of your future. Nothing. And when it starts to poke its head up, and I'll say it does. I'm not ignorant. Prune it off. Surrender it to God. God, I think this is from the old life. It has no place in this new man. 
prune it off, cut it off. Start seeing yourself as God sees you. The old man doesn't exist any longer. I was in Walmart because I grew up around where I, well, I stayed around where I grew up, um, where I went to school within a half hour distance. And I was in the Walmart, I don't know, I was married, I don't know, 10, 12 years, quite a little while. I was walking around now the corner of my eye, I kept, this guy kept following me. I'm like, why is he following me? But I didn't want to look at him. I just, I just knew he was there. Finally, I just stopped and started staring at whatever was in front of me on the shelf because I'm like, maybe he'll walk away, pass by me. You know, some people just kind of go through that same, you know, you got a route that you use, a route that you use when you go to get groceries. So I stood there long enough and he kept getting closer and closer and I'm like, awkward. Finally, I could tell he was looking right at me, standing right here. So I turned, made eye contact. He goes, you're Brenda Lee, aren't you? And when somebody says that, I always go, oh. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, it's Mauer now, but yeah, I was Brenda Lee. He goes, yeah, I'm whatever his name was. He said his name. I used to go to high school with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I said, um, I'm sorry. And he says, yeah, I know what kind of person you are. And I said, no. Uh, that person died, and I gave him the day when I surrendered my life to Christ. I have actually got it tattooed on, you know, the back of my neck, so it witnesses to everybody that, you know, right there. I think that was before the tattoo. It was before the tattoo. Anyway, I said, sorry, that old man is dead. And I apologized. You know, I didn't remember who he was, but I told him, I said, I um, did a lot of drugs, and there's a big black hole there in my memory, and I like to say it's God's mercy that I don't, I don't have to remember and be tormented with that old man. Um, so in his mercy, I have this big black hole there of this time frame. I said, but I apologize. I'm so sorry. But that old man is dead. I'm now a minister, and I got to share the gospel with him a little bit, gave him my testimony, and I apologized profusely some more because I didn't recognize him, didn't know who he was. But again, I told him, I assured him, that man is dead. And by the time, I mean, he eyes kept getting bigger and he walked away, never even said a response. Because, you know, what do you say? I'm sitting there telling him and, you know, that I died, you know. And he just didn't understand. But that, that person doesn't exist anymore. Um, uh, no, I'll share that in a minute. Um, number two. Through water baptism, you are declaring to the world and prophesying to your future and that you are now dead to sin. Romans 6, 6-7, For we know that if our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with. What does that mean? Dead. Powerless. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Think about it. Can a dead man be ruled by his feelings? Can a dead man get hurt? Can a dead man be affected by sin? No. He's buried. It's dead. Dead to sin. Buried with Christ. In the same way we just read, 
Count yourselves dead to sin just like Christ was buried and dead to sin. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. But offer yourselves, rather offer yourselves to those who have been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, Pastor Neil was just sharing that offering time. That Satan, a created being to worship, of worshiping instruments, that we are now commanded to offer our bodies as instruments of righteousness. Our hands as a clap offering, right? Our arms lifted high as a wave offering. Our mouths to sing his praise. You know, it's instruments of righteousness. It says, do not let any sin in. Do not allow any sin in. From this point of the cross back, the body of sin is dead. Rendered powerless. New man, and he's commanding now, don't let. Or don't allow any sin in. Listen, the old little children's church song. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. For the father up above who is looking down with love. So be careful little ears what you hear. Right? Don't allow any sin in through your eyes. Through what you see. Through your ears what you hear. Through your mind, what you think. Through your emotions, what you feel. What you entertain, right? That's why I told you before I had to give up all those love stories. Why? Because then I would go around and look at how pitiful my love story is. I can't say I knew what I meant. I've been married 30 years. He never did that for me. Right? Be careful. Be careful what you see, what you hear. What you let in is said, do not allow any sin into this new life. It's kind of like cleaning your house and then letting your dog crap all over the place. Oh, sorry, Amy. I'm sorry. That one came out. Dang it. Oh, darn. Oh, man. It just, it doesn't make any sense. Don't allow any, if from this point back is dead. Sin. Don't allow anything in here now. I mean, I've actually heard people say that um, don't get so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. What, what's that trying to say? Well, you want to be a little sinful, right? What? Or I've actually heard people say, um, well, God delivered me from all this stuff, but I I'm holding on to this one because it helps me relate better to sinners. What? How, how can holding on to that thing speak more powerfully than your freedom from it? Or, or how can that thing be more powerful than Jesus in you? Or, or how could... I mean, if you're going to believe that, you have to believe that Jesus allowed sin in his own life so that he could be called a friend of sinners. I don't read that anywhere. 
So don't think that your sin that you're holding on to, or that thing, like you're going that thing, that you're holding on to, is helping you minister. That is such a twist of the enemy. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's like, oh, Lord, help me. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Verse 14 and 15 says, For sin shall not be your master. What's he saying? You allow sin in, boom, it again will be your master. And where do you go? Right? Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but you're under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under law? By no means. Shut up. What are you thinking? No. Not at all. Dead to sin. And number three, through water baptism, we are declaring to the world, prophesying to our future, that we are now dead to worldly thinking. Why is that so important? Worldly thinking... Thinking is like a governor over your body. Where your mind goes, so goes man, right? A governor is like, I used to drive bus for the church. And I like to get where I'm going. Let me just put it that way. I don't like to waste time. I want to get where I'm going. You know, it's like get there. And people get going slow in front of me. Well, I got to get around them, right? Well, on the buses and some of the semis, they put governors on them. Wicked things from the pits of hell. Because I would literally hold the steering wheel like this, stand up with both feet and pull all my weight onto that uh, gas pedal, <gasps> trying to get that thing to go past 58 miles an hour. I hated that governor. But your thinking is just like that. Where you think is where your body goes. If you're thinking you can't do this, guess what? You can't do that. If you're thinking you can do this, guess what? You're going to do this. What you're thinking. So and it's, it's not an and. You can't be worldly minded and heavenly minded. It's an or. You're either thinking uh, kingdom minded or earthly minded, or spirit, or flesh. We've told the parable a thousand times. We'll speak it a hundred thousand more times. The parable of the sower, that the word of God is rendered useless. By what? Worldly thinking. The cares of this world. Worldly thinking. Human reasoning was introduced in the garden by Satan. And with it, once that apple was bit, with that human, did God really say that? Don't you want to be like God? He's just trying to keep something from you. Think about it. Look how beautiful it is. Why wouldn't he want you to eat it? Did God really say that? Human reasoning opened the door up for selfishness, doubt, idolatry, and the list goes on and on and on. Satan knows that he is not more powerful than a Christian. So his only tool, his only weapon he can use against us is the twisting of truth, that craftiness, 
where oh it kind of sounds good but you line it up to the word and it's like wait a minute that don't make sense right he likes to twist give us just enough of the truth and then twist it i shared first service watch the time uh the immediate out of the blue back pain that came on me last winter i mean it, there was no accident i kept getting um asked by doctors in emergency rooms and different places i was going what accident did you have i didn't have an accident i was standing and next thing i know i wasn't standing you know there's no accident three different diagnoses three different x-rays three different doctors and they were all baffled have no idea how does this just happen i don't know Three months long, and I I'm, might have been long. I'm thinking it was just three months. Constant praying, fasting, declaring the word, getting prayed over, praying for everything I could think of. Prayer, keep praying, and you know everything. I was out of options. I started believing, started hearing the thoughts about, well, maybe this is just it. I mean I had the doctors tell me you know you you're not too young anymore and that's something that you just get to look forward to as you get older back pain you know it just come you're just going to have what and so I started thinking well you know maybe this is my thorn in the flesh have you heard that one this is just something I'm supposed to bear I started listening to that and then I'm like wait a minute how does that line up with the word Did Jesus come and heal only some Was he praying for some and then went well sorry buddy that's all I can give you I mean it looks like you're going to have to live this one out No I kept taking that back to the word and saying that that's not true That's not true and I have to agree that on that last day where I'm like I'm really I was it's like you know you kind of do everything what more could I do you ever felt like you're in that I've been praying for this so long you know maybe the answer's not coming What does God tell you to do in the word Perseverance has no end Be persistent in prayer doesn't go on to say until you feel like you're just not going to get the answer anymore then you can stop. So on that Wednesday night I was sitting down and of course letting the enemy beat me up a little bit and trying to battle in my own thoughts about you know the word and I know he's come to set me free and I know he heals all and he still is a healer today and I'm not going to bow to this I'm going to keep going. And I remember there were some ladies over here on that Wednesday night and they was all praying my sister of course always obnoxious you know like she is and she's like come on Pastor Bear let's pray for you again I literally sat there and thought to myself why prayed about this for 3 months nonstop everybody and their brother praying for me done everything I mean I feel bad admitting this you know but let me just be honest and then you know it was like this inner you know what are you doing you going to give up is that where it's at you, this is it this is you this is all you can do right here 
And I'm like, no, I said I wasn't going to give up. I said I wasn't going to stop. This thing is not going to stop me. So I went over and sat down in the little seat. I'm like, whatever, God, I'll pray for it till I die. And I just keep going. I just keep praying. I keep believing. Why? Because that's what the word says. And so I'm sitting there. They started praying for me. And I started feeling this warm heat come over my feet, up my legs, got up to my waist. And I mean, I could see like water rising, like I was sitting in a pool, up to my waist. And I remember sitting there thinking, come on, come on. I want it all in. I just want it all in. And now I can't remember exactly the conversation that God had with me and the Holy Spirit had with me. But while it stopped at my waist, I felt like, now what are you going to do? How much of me do you want? And I said, well, I want you all. He said, then give me all of you. And there I went on the floor. And I started swimming. Didn't I? And I was yeah yeah he told me to yeah to dive in and so I went and I started doing this and I'm doing the backstroke and I'm like I was healed completely I mean I'm a walking miracle now they have no idea what went wrong what went right God well who brought that on you in the first place I don't care yeah it's gone I don't care let me tell you right here thinking you have to understand that human reasoning and now I'm not telling you that you have to be uh, ignorant that you have to shut off your brain to be a Christian but human reasoning human thinking, worldly thinking seeks wisdom based on human human thoughts human reasoning human wisdom heavenly thinking sets its focus on God's wisdom period period I don't understand it good because God's thoughts are bigger than your thoughts. Well, what, and how, and how, there should be mystery. If there's no mystery, there's no faith. If there's no mystery and I can't explain it, then where is your effort of trust? Have you ever do those trust falls? Right? I'm a peeker. I have to admit, I'm a peeker. Are you there? Okay, Elbow. Are you still there? Right? That's not trust. And there has to be a mystery to have trust. There has to be a mystery. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. He's all wisdom. You don't have to be. Listen, worldly thinking is Satan's tool, craftiness, to get you to fall back on, well, what do you think? Well, what do you believe? Well, you've been sick for so long, it just should be, that's just you. It's your sickness. I 
church heard a story, an illustration a while ago of a man who was sitting on a fence. On the one side, he could see Jesus and his disciples. In the distance, he could see heaven's pearly gates. On the other side, he saw crowds enjoying worldly pleasures, having fun and loud. And in the distance, he could see a blackness so thick it could be felt. And so he was sitting on the fence thinking, well, what should I choose? But they look like they're having fun. But before he could reason out a good choice, the fence disappeared underneath him. He's face to face now with the blackness in front of him. Satan's standing beside him and he starts screaming, wait, wait, I did not choose. And Satan just looked at him and said, oh, foolish man, what you failed to realize is that I've always owned that fence. You see, human reasoning, worldly thinking is the wages understand that when it's all about you and what you think and what you believe and what you want and what you see the you, 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 you where's the dead man in that? Die to self pick up your cross and follow me and you know what this I know I'm going to go out on a limb here but the die to self, like I just showed you, and then there's the cross that lays down the bloodline from here on out, all things are new, new creation. When he said, pick up the cross, think about that. If you picked up that cross now, everywhere you step in newness of life, that last day, that yesterday is old and gone. You're not accountable for that. If he's dead, if my cross is here, and my surrender is with God every day surrender to him God I lay it all down every day is a new day with a new man the old man dead the yesterday gone when you're picking up that cross 